Hello everyone, this is Nolan with the 307 RPG Podcast, and I just want to say thanks to all of our awesome patrons. If you like our show and want to support us, you can find us at patreon.com forward slash the Forge Herald. Thanks everyone, hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 307 RPG Podcast. My name is Patrick, and I'm going to be your host today as we have a very special episode. Today, we are going to be interviewing Katie Griffin. Katie is a writer, tabletop enthusiast, and event runner who loves playing video games in her spare time. She worked as a writer for Dystopia Rising Evolution and as a developer for Hellnaw's Guide to Wasteland Beasties and the Jumpstart Trouble on the Steel Pier, all for the game Dystopia Rising Evolution. Her other work includes writing on supplements for Scarlands, Cavaliers of Mars, Scion, and other game lines. Before we get started, I would like to take a moment and give a shout out to everyone, the writers, the artists, the developers, everybody that was involved in this book. This book is beautifully done. Now, on with the show. Katie, how are you? I'm doing pretty well. How are you? I'm, you know, all things considered, I'm, I'm doing quite well. We want to thank you so much for coming on our show, taking some time out of your day to talk to us about Dystopia Rising. Honestly, I'm really happy to be here, especially because it allows me to be a little bit more social than I have been lately. So thank you. (laughs) (laughs) That's a very good point. (laughs) Yeah, social interaction is definitely something we are all craving right now. Absolutely. So Katie, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, and then we're going to kind of dive into Dystopia Rising Evolution. But I think before we do that, we should talk a little bit about dystopia rising as a whole so let's start off with tell us about yourself and some of the projects that you've worked on sure as you can guess my name is katie i've worked on dystopia rising evolution with onyx path um previously i worked on some of the original dystopia rising tabletop books with escacom media i've also worked on uh, some supplements for scion and cavaliers of mars um, and i have a lot of cool upcoming projects that i'm not allowed to talk about yet but i'm really excited that always seems to be the case we get people who have projects they just can't talk about yet but that's yep, okay I, I really wish i could <laughs> <laughs> and that's usually what we hear people say i really want to talk about it but i can't and yeah. i understand ndas it's all it's all good so oh, yeah Dystopia Rising is a game that we've mentioned on our show a couple of times, especially with uh, Dystopia Rising Evolution coming out. But it's something myself and my co-host have no idea about. This is a new game to us, which is amazing that we're always finding new games. Now, I did a little bit of digging on this, and there's quite a history with this game. In fact, it started as a LARP instead of a tabletop game. Isn't that correct? That is correct. Originally, it was an IP created by uh, Michael Pucci, and he licensed it out to Dystopia Rising LARP and was heavily involved with that. And And the LARP itself is still going strong and has a lot of branches. I, I would have to double check how many, but it's across multiple states at this point, and people are really into it. And then over time, it was transformed into a tabletop game produced by Escatom Media. And that was kind of their first time delving into creating tabletop for Dystopia Rising. And the books themselves are great with world lore. And it was really meant to almost be a support for the LARP. And usually you get things 
vice versa. You have the tabletop coming out before the LARP, but in this case, it was a little bit different. But people seem to really like it, and and now it's you know it's getting a revamp and a reskin, and it's coming out as Dystopia Rising Evolution with Onyx Path, completely new system. And honestly, I think it's much shinier and you know fits in with modern society a little bit more than you know what was created. 15, 20 years ago. Wow, it's hard to believe that this game's been around for that long. So with Dystopia Rise, how did, I guess the question would be more, how did this whole thing come to fruition with Onyx Path? That's a great question. Really, Eschaton and, and Onyx Path approached each other and wanted to do a collaboration on something. And I, I at the time, Dystopia Rising LARP was going to go through a transformation itself and come out with a new rule set that was slimmed down for the LARP. And I know that the people that own the IP really wanted a new tabletop book to support that and also basically delve into a new market. So they approached one another and they the conversation got going and they thought, you know what, it would be really great to come out with a completely new tabletop, add in some more flavor, add in some new materials and really revamp the system for a modern audience. Okay, and about how long ago was that? Oh, good question. Two or three years ago now, I think. I, I was on to the project in 2017. So I'm sure conversations were happening before that, maybe 2017 or so. And what was your goal, or what was your, she's um, talk about drawing a blank. <laughs> <laughs> wow. What was your position within the project? I was a freelance writer at the time and also a consultant. I was heavily involved in running a lot of the LARP events and also because I had written on a lot of the previous tabletop books by Eschaton Media, I knew a lot of the world lore. So with the other writers that weren't as familiar with the IP, I was able to answer um, questions about it and give them a sense of what the world was like. I also was involved in writing... Um, one of the chapters, the uh, strain chapter, where you get to choose your uh, strain path in the story path system in the book. So I also was then hired to be the developer for two of the Kickstarter supplements, Hell Nas Guide to Wasteland Beasties and also Trouble on the Steel Pier, which is a standalone jumpstart that really thrusts you into the world of Dystopia Rising. You answered two of my questions just by answering that one question. <laughs> You're I was welcome. Yeah, thank you. I was going to ask if if Dystopia Rising Evolution did indeed go to Kickstarter, which you just clarified that it did. And apparently there were some stretch goals that were knocked down as well. And you also mentioned that it uses the story path system. So, hey, there you go. Two questions answered in one. Perfect. Actually, it's three questions answered in one. So let's I'm just talk here. about Yeah, <laughs> you're just here trying to save you down. some time. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, what was the initial Kickstarter? Because again, I didn't know about the game at the time. Um, when did it go to Kickstarter? I honestly, I would have to double check that. I believe it went to Kickstarter about in, it must have been 2019 is when it originally went to Kickstarter. Recently, it was, it was finally released. Yeah, I'm pretty sure 2019 was when it originally went to Kickstarter. And, and it was really met with a lot of enthusiasm. People were excited about uh, a completely uh, a, a new revamp of the system. And it we presented a lot of, or Onyx Path presented a lot of uh, stretch goals, which most of them were meant. I think the only Kickstarter goal that wasn't meant was met was the one that was the AMA with, with Eddie and Michael, where they would 
get drunk on webcam and answer anything <laughs> you wanted about the book. But uh, otherwise, like there's the supplement, the anthology, like the anthology is coming out as well. There are pins that were involved with the Kickstarter. Like all, all of the stretch goals were met other than the super top tier. So really was very successful. That's that's fantastic. So let's let's talk about the the, the book itself, the the game itself. And you mentioned it uses a story path system. Now, mm-hmm. those people who are familiar with, uh, believe it's no, not Chronicles of Darkness. Um, Scion, if I remember correctly, uses a story path. Mm-hmm. And say, correct me if I'm wrong, because I've never played Scion either. Um, <laughs> and I know uh, they came from beneath the sea. Also uses a story path system. And I was speaking with Matthew Dawkins this morning about that game. So. If you could explain what the story path system is and and maybe give us a quick overview on how it works. Sure. The story path system is really meant for the the individual in the group that really wants to have action and dive into story. When creating the character, you choose three different paths. In in, uh, the other IPs, it's, it's a little bit different, but you choose a strain path. A, a path for your society and also a path for what you do. So it's your role path. The strain path is basically where you came from. So it's things like Vagassian or uh, Diesel Jock, um, which uh, for lack of a better term are kind of like races in, in typical RPGs. And then role paths are what you do. So you have things like Caravan Driver and Gunslinger and Guard. And then your society path is the people that you hang out with. So maybe you decide to play a shadier character that's involved with the black market. So you can have black market as a society path. You basically, during character creation, get a certain amount of dots. Uh, Each of the paths have four skills associated with them. And you get a certain amount of dots that you allocate to those skills. If you have three dots or more, then you get a trick, which is kind of a specialty in that skill. And then if you have four dots or more, you get a specialty, which is a really defined, I can do this really well sort of thing. And then after that, you decide on attributes as well. And you get a certain amount of dots to uh, uh, put into your attributes as well. Um, And that's pretty much character creation. Then when it comes to actually rolling the die, it's all d10s. You pick your skill and then your attribute. So as an example, maybe I am a gunslinger and I'm shooting the guy. Let's say that. I then choose my firearm skill. I have three dots in that, so I get to roll three dice. And then I'm approaching it with my dexterity. Say I have three dots in that, so I get three more dice. So I roll six d10s total. Anything eight or above is a success. My story guide says, hey, you have to roll three successes to shoot the guy. I wind up rolling four, which is great. I shoot the guy, and they take damage pretty simple system it seems like it It, in fact it's very similar to the storyteller system as well with you know combining the the skills to get your dice pool and rolling the d10s except with the whole idea of that eight nine and ten are a success yes yep and not only that when you roll a d10 it effectively explodes it counts as a success and you get to roll it again and see what you get does it it seems like with the rolls being eight nine and ten you have a lower percentage chance of actually succeeding in what you're trying to do. Have you noticed that at all in, in the games that you've played? If Well, if you do, fortunately with the story path system, there's kind of something built in to help with that, which is if a person does fail, um, that's okay. They wind up with a consolation. As an example, if if I'm playing a game and I'm playing a 
an acrobatic sort of person and we're trying to sneak into this stronghold uh, where all of this old world tech is. Uh, and I see a vent and I'm like, I'm going to climb that wall and try to get the vent off to be able to slip in. Okay. I fail completely my role. However, I receive a consolation, which is, hey, you didn't succeed. However, as you fall down, you actually notice a grate on the side and it seems to be really a lot easier to get into. So you either receive a consolation or actually you receive something called momentum which goes into a momentum pool that everyone can draw from and can be used for things like your skill tricks and your your uh, specialties. Okay, that's uh, yeah. I've, I've never used a story pass system. I've I've heard a lot about it and I just haven't mm-hmm. had a chance to use it. So I was just curious how that worked. Oh yeah. Um, as for the game itself, can you tell us a little bit about the setting, about the world of Dystopia Rising? Sure. Dystopia Rising is a little bit unusual in that the zombie apocalypse has happened. It is years and years and years and years after the zombie apocalypse. And you are now set in a world where people are starting to rebuild and form new societies. Individuals during the, the fall of mankind were irradiated due to nuclear warfare, at, which helped mutate the, for lack of a better term, the zombie, zombie virus in different people. Because with the differentiations and mutations, you wound up with different strains and people that were uh, adapted to their different environments. So you have the saltwise that actually have gills. You have the diesel jocks that are, you know, basically live on their vehicles. Um, you have the Vigasians uh, who are good at talking and, and know their way around a lot of people at once. Um, you get all of these people all together now, and they're really, it's a game about starting to rebuild and starting to come together and about the people that start to rebuild and the people that want to take advantage of this new society as well. So it's a really interesting game in that respect. Zombies in this world are like the weather. They come in and they go. They are a constant, ever-present threat, but because they are so constant, people know how to deal with them and know how to prepare. The thing that is most dangerous in the wasteland, I would say, are probably the people and also things called raiders, which are effectively people-shaped monsters in the wasteland. It, It really gives me a feel of Mad Max meets The Walking Dead. It is a little bit. Ma- Mad Max, I, w- I would say, is a little bit more about society completely breaking down. And and The Walking Dead is a little bit more modern. But those are two great examples about, you know, how this differentiates, but also takes inspiration from both those. Okay. What are some of the we talked a little you talked a little bit about character creation. Um, mm-hmm. Does Dystopia Rising have like say in typical D and D or even vampire where we have races or clans, what are what? How does that relate in dystopia race? I'm not sure even how to frame the question. I don't want to say oh, yeah. what are the classes <laughs> or, or 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 such, but I know when they came from beneath the sea, it's called archetypes. <laughs> Help me out here, Katie. Oh yeah. So your strain. What would be the the most you know accurate would say strain. Strain okay. is kind of where your your character comes from, and these are the mutated people of the wasteland. So these are divided into eight different lineages. And each lineage has basically three subtypes, types, which are called strains. As an example, 
there are the gorgers, um, which are a lineage. And if you say, hey, I want to play a gorger, um, then you say, okay, what type of gorger? And there are full dead Lissarians and Sempermorts. And these are all strains that effectively feed on other people. They have a specific mutation um, that causes them to need to consume uh, fungal material from other people. Um, spoiler, the zombie virus is a fungus. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so as an example, I want to play a full dead. That means that I am uh, almost dead in appearance. Um, I feed on other strains at times or other raiders as well. And there I am related to Lissarians in that Lissarians drink blood and have shark-like teeth teeth and, and or consume flesh and have shark-like teeth and Sempermort who drink blood. So we all consume flesh and so we're all gorgers. So that would be the most... The closest to what you're talking about, I think, as opposed to you can also as well choose kind of what they do. So again, caravan driver, that sort of thing. But the lineages and the strains are really where you kind of define what sort of wastelander you're playing. So are there any special mechanics that are used in Dystopia Rising that are that are unique to the game itself? There is the the scavenging system in it. And honestly, I haven't had time to play around with it myself too much. But it is, it's kind of unique to the setting. It allows you to scavenge for materials in the world to be able to build equipment if you're out in the middle of the wasteland. A lot of dystopia rising is about dealing with harsh environments. So if you're a part of a party and you're going out into the middle of the wasteland, there's basically nothing out there. So you have to be able to find resources on um, find materials to be able to just survive going from point A and point B. It's a bit like having pockets of civilization oases in the middle of just this burned out wasteland. So what does a game of Dystopia Rising Evolution look like? Like when you sit down to play, how, what what kind of stories are told? What kind of, what are, what is an, a typical, I hate using the word typical because all <laughs> games are different, but what does a game look like? Personally, I think it's really um, a game about rebuilding. So it's a lot of let's get this caravan to this to the settlement over here because they're trying to get supplies this way. Let's help these individuals get these supplies to be able to survive. Let's help this repel this giant wave undead that only comes every 15 years before it completely overwhelms the settlement that we're a part of. Those are the sort of stories that you tell in Dystopia Rising, but you can also tell stories like we're a band of mercenaries and we're taking any job that comes our way as we just try to survive in the wasteland. The world of Dystopia Rising, similar to the real world, is very broad. Really, it's a lot of stories about survival and rebuilding, but you have a lot of leeway to do other things. Like there is a guild in this world. There's a black market. There are people trying to take advantage of other people. There are people that are trying to do good for other people. There are faiths that your your characters can join and be a part of as well. So it's hard for me to define exactly what a typical game is like, just because there's so many things you can do. But I, if I were to distill it, I would say working with others, rebuilding, but also there is that element of people taking advantage of others in this wasteland. The artwork for this book is pretty intense. <laughs> it's beautiful. I love it. Oh, it, it is. It is really, really good. Yeah. Um, I'm just kind of scrolling through the book as we're talking and I'm just blown away by some of the artwork. It looks really good. 
So how does, what is the difference between, and maybe I don't think I asked this already, but how is evolution different from the original dystopia rising? Well, it's different in a lot of ways. Um, it has a completely different mechanic system. The old system used, I believe it was card-based. This system obviously used the story path. We've mm -hmm. also, there's also new strains in this version. And a lot of the strains were revamped for dystopia rising evolution. And that's because a lot of them, you know, were made 15 or so years ago and didn't age well into modern society. So a lot of the strains were, and a lot of the lineages were taken and, and revamped a little bit so that it, they were better for a modern audience. And I think, honestly, we did a great job at doing that. And you worked on um, Hell Now, is that how you say it? Yeah, Hell Now's okay. Guide to Wasteland Beasts. Hell Now, Hell Now's yeah. Guide to Wasteland Beasts, which I remember correctly released last Wednesday. It did, yeah. What can you tell us about that book? That book is great if you want to run a campaign with a lot of monster hunting, as an example. Because of the radiation in the wasteland, a lot of the creatures have mutated over the years to become these just monstrous, monstrous creatures that can wipe out entire settlements. And so Helna's Guide to Wasteland Beasties follows Helna and her band of, of mercenaries as they go through the wasteland and attempt to deal with these beasties. So it is a monster book in that it tells you a lot about each um, of the individual monsters, but it's also a bit of a uh, inspirational guide for people that want to do like a monster hunting campaign because it's paired with a bunch of fictional stories um, about Helna and her crew as well. So is Helna a... a um... A, a pretty popular character is this uh, a canon character so to speak within uh dystopia rising i mean it's a canon character with she was created for um the supplement and and her she is a diesel jock i maybe she will be a popular character one day but she's not a, like a canon character other than being part of hell now's guide to wasteland beasties so what is the have you had any experience like at, I should ask, um, at conventions or if you've been to conventions with this game, have you had any experience with people's reactions to it? People seem to really enjoy it. I, uh, Eddie Webb actually created this fabulous uh, jumpstart uh, when they were first testing the story path and testing Dystopia Rising at the very beginning stages of this process. And I, I wound up running that jumpstart for a few different people. And they seemed to really enjoy it. They jumped into the system right away. It was a story about uh, a mercenary company that was trying to get a caravan from point A to point B and having to deal with all the different issues of the wasteland. Like, uh, you know, what happens if your truck breaks down? What happens if a wave of zombies comes through? What, hap you know, what happens this, that, and the, or the other thing? So it was really a story about survival and trying to make it. And people seem to enjoy it because they got to be a character that could do something special in the world. And you never really failed when you made a role. It was always not no, but no, but. And they got something else because of that. Right. And that's based on the story path system of you failed. However, there is a great here that you can use. Exactly. Okay. Is there a bestiary? so to speak for the for the game and is it in i can't i'm trying to go through the core book now as we're talking um to see are there monsters within the book that you can use yeah absolutely um there's Let's talk actually, about those yeah there's um there's 
basically divided up into people, raiders, and and zombies in this book. And if you want kind of irradiated monsters, you can go to Hellnall's Guide to Wasteland Beasties. But this book has tons and tons and tons of of creatures that you can add to your campaign. There are uh, zombies that go fast. There's zombies that go slow. There's irradiated zombies. There's you know poison zombies. There are uh, raiders um, divided into clans that each have a specific horrific thing that they do to people if they capture them. And then there are like regular run of the mill people that you can use that can either be part of a mercenary clan or uh, just general NPCs. And it's, I'm looking at it, it looks like this is chapter 11, Threats of the Waste. Yeah. And there's some horrific looking monsters in here. Oh, yeah. Yep. Uh, Imagine everything you'd want in a wasteland. (laughs) Yeah, effectively. It's, it, it gives you a lot to play with. So it really depends how you want to design your story and your campaign because you can throw some really nasty stuff out there or you can decide to do a bit more of a social campaign and kind of base it in a big city um well a big big for a post-apocalyptic city that is there aren't really any big cities around anymore so but so there, would there be like the skeletons of the cities that like you could go to say quote air quotes here new york and it's mm-hmm. you know the skeleton of the city yeah, there's, there's, um, or at least in the old Dystopia Rising books, and there is all this lore about how the cities are still lived in. Like people are are living in the rusted remains of New York City and are calling it Old York as an example. And they, you know, they live there and they've built tiny towns there, and they don't really get much out of the really old structures, but there is still a settlement there and they're using the remains of New York to create that settlement. That's fascinating. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I love, I mean, I'm thinking of um, the old Kurt Russell movie escape from uh, New York. I'm thinking, like I said, Mad Max was just looking at some of the, the video or the, the um, vehicles that that are in the book and i looked at uh the pictures of some of the larps and seeing some of the armor that was created and just the the pictures of the larps themselves now you mentioned earlier that you used to run some of the larps i did Um, i actually used to run dystopia rising new jersey which was the new jersey chapter of uh dystopia rising and i did that i was involved in writing for the chapter for I want to say like three or four years. And then I was involved in actually hands-on running the chapter for about a year. What was that like? It was really hectic. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But honestly, I think running any LARP is pretty hectic. It requires a lot of, a lot of work to run any kind of LARP, especially for Dystopia Rising New Jersey, where you average 200 to 300 people per game in its heyday. Oh, how many? 200 to 300 people per month each. Wow. Yeah. It was a big game. Yeah, it was a big game. It was and again, that's why it was super hectic. But I was we were writing modules every month and I worked with a writer team to get those out. And you know, I I found eventually that I I really didn't have the time to devote to running LARPs anymore. I was, you know, shifting career paths. I had a lot on my plate. And so I, I wound up stepping down. Um and it's dystopia rising new jersey is still being run i mean not right now but <laughs> it still <Nice>. exists 
it still exists. So um, it's still going strong as far as I know, as well as Dystopia Rising Massachusetts and, and uh, a few other Northeast chapters are there. I think there's a Dystopia Rising New York. And uh, yeah, I think that's it. Um, I have to double check. <laughs> I, I got kind of excited because there's a Dystopia Rising, uh, I believe it's Denver, which is oh. about six hours from where I live up here in Northern Wyoming. So I, I, contacted well i talked to my co-host him and i worked together too and i said you know <laughs> we really should go down there and spend a weekend doing this he looked at me like i was crazy but <laughs> I, I will but. say it's an experience each chapter is different because um the larp lends itself to to allowing the game runner to decide what flavor of apocalypse they want to run so if you go to denver it's going to be different from new jersey it's going to be different from massachusetts so you can try out a few and see what you like. And if one sticks, it sticks. And if one doesn't, that's okay. There's also the tabletop. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Katie, I, don't, I can't think of anything else without going, you know, going too deep into this game and having you spend the next two, three hours talking about it. <laughs> um, and I'm sure you probably can, because it sounds like this has been almost a passion project for you for quite a while. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I got into Dystopia Rising in, what, 2012, I think? And I started with the LARP at that time. It kind of turned into writing, and I I really love the IP. Like, it's just such an interesting world, and I always find more and more about it that I I learn to enjoy. I'm I'm anxious to tear into this book. I have so many books that are my that are on my shelf that I need to read, and this is another one. I bought the PDF, <laughs> and I was like, "Well, there's no point in just buying the PDF. I might as well buy the the hardback version." And then it was like, "Well, I might as well buy the deluxe hardback version as well as PDF." <laughs> <laughs> I have a problem with books. I really do. I mean, but this, this one... one's a very pretty book, so I I can't yeah. blame you for getting the deluxe version. It, I mean, every time I flip through it, just scroll, well, I shouldn't say flip through, but scroll through the PDF. I'm just like, man, I can't wait to see this book. Yeah, it it's, looks like a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. It, and it absolutely is. Like, I'm, I am honestly, I'm starting a campaign on Wednesday. I'm really looking forward to running with the system. So with a few friends virtually. Um, but, you know, the entire goal is making sure that people have fun and, enjoy this and you know i enjoy it so i hope others do too i i, I can't see why they wouldn't um <laughs> you know one of the things i i love to do is when we do these little interviews is especially for these these games that just aren't as well known at least to our audience is have people give like that that 30 second or that always turns into like five minute elevator pitch of the game. Well, if somebody were to ask you, you know, Katie, what is dystopia rising evolution? And, and you wanted to convince them to play. What would you say? Oh, I have a pitch. I hope you're ready for it. Oh, all right. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. All right. Imagine if you were in the post-apocalypse, imagine scarcity of resources. Imagine zombies coming at you day in and day out. Imagine clans of raiders that come in and destroy caravans as you watch. And then imagine that you're in a settlement where this didn't matter because you all worked together to try to find a new way of life. Now imagine if you as a survivor were had your settlement threatened. 
And imagine if you had an opportunity to stop that threat with a bunch of other people, and but you had to leave yourself and go out into the wastelands that haven't been tread for many, many years since before the fall of mankind. And imagine if you could stop this and and make sure that the settlement and the people you care about were safe. That would be my elevator pitch for playing Dystopia Rising. Now I want to play Dystopia Rising. <laughs> <laughs> Katie, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to join us on our little show and, and talk to us about Dystopia Rising. We're going to be looking a little bit more into this game. I know... Um, we're going to talk a little bit about the strains. We want to go into some detail about that. So we'll have two episodes based on dystopia rising. So hopefully we can get some more people checking it out. I, I mean, it sounds like it's already a really popular game, but we want to get more people knowing about it. Yeah, I, I please do. And I hope you enjoy it when you read the book and eventually play. I, I, I can't imagine I won't. So <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's everything, Katie. So what I'd love to do is if um, if you have anything that you can share with us, I know there's a lot of NDA stuff, so you can't talk about it. Or if there's other things that you would like people to know that is published, like Hellnaz, um, what are some other works that you have out there that people could check out if they want to find more of your stuff? Absolutely. Well, there's Hellnaz Guys to Wasteland Beasties. Um, we talked a little bit about that. Fabulous book. I worked as the developer on that. And then we have Trouble on the Steel Pier, which I worked as the developer for that as well. And it's a great, great jumpstart to pick up if you just want to try out Dystopia Rising for yourself and you're not sure if you want to commit to the book already. The writers on it were absolutely fabulous. I am also working on a few other things I can talk about. <laughs> um, I'm also working on a, a Scarred Lands thing that hasn't, I'm not sure even if they've mentioned it yet. I'm allowed to say I'm working on a Scarred Lands thing though. And I'm working on a Scion thing, which also hasn't been announced. So I wish I could, I wish I could tell you more, but that's the limit of what I can talk about. Well, the, the fact that you're working on a Scarred Lands thing is excellent because we here at 307 RPG are huge fans of Scarred Lands. I love it. I've been, running a campaign for a group of friends for the past, I want to say like six months now, and they love it too. So we, we just wrapped up vengeance of the shunned. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah. Unfortunately it didn't end the way <laughs> quite the way I wanted it to, but you know what? They, they finished it and, and uh, we're taking a break. We actually just wrapped it up this past Sunday. Uh -huh. So we're, we're taking a break for a couple of weeks and trying to figure out what else we're going to do. And, and I got two games now that I'm looking at that might introduce dystopia rising and they came from beneath the sea so i have some things to look at and figure out before i go back to my group <laughs> <laughs> see so, what they like yeah exactly katie if people would like to get a hold of you if they have questions for you how can they do that honestly uh i have a facebook page katie griffin writer and you can contact me through that because i have the uh, contact enabled for that or you can go to uh, www.mostimprobable.com and there is a uh, contact us form. That's the company I usually work with, but because I get a lot of the uh, the um, contact us forms, I you that's a great way to contact me as well. Okay. Uh, do you have a Patreon you'd like to tell people about? I do not have a Patreon at all okay some people <laughs> do so i always give people a chance to to promote their stuff so yeah absolutely 
Katie, thank you again so much for coming on the show. It has been a pleasure in learning about Dystopia Rising and learning about the stuff that you're involved in. I hope to have you back for future episodes. Yeah, thank you for having me. This was great. I enjoyed it.